What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Monday, May 16th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we have got quite a bit on the slate today. Chris, we'll start off with this. Uh, you were in the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Competition over the weekend. How uh, how did everything go? I, I hear good things. Uh, went well. This is the... I'll tell you this. Personally, I am... Uh, more pleased with the ribs that we turned in in this competition than I have in any of the other competitions I've ever done in the history of my life. Um, these these are the these are the best product that I've ever turned in. Um, we came in 28th out of 104. Uh, I, I would have liked to have done better. My goal, my object, which is a hell of a thing, by the way. Oh, yeah. My goal, my my objective was I wanted to finish in the top 20. percent I thought that would be, you know, something really really special. Uh, this team that I cooked with, all but one guy, uh, we've came in fourth before, and that was about six years ago. Um, but it's a it's a crapshoot. I mean, we've also come in hundred something. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it just to turn, you know, depends on how how it turns out that day. These these were perfect. I mean, they they really genuinely were perfect. So that's I saw the pictures of them, and I was. I was excited. I was a little bit jealous that I get, did not get to enjoy them. Uh, you guys got evacuated on Friday for a little bit, right? Oh, well, we did. Let me tell you something now. <laughs> I, all right, the, the, the old man and the libertarian is about to come out of me, okay? The state is not your friend, guys. Just hear me when I tell you the state is not your friend. It, it's, it was like we were in Nazi Germany and they were the goddamn Gestapo wrangling people up because a thunderstorm was coming. And they put everybody in the Liberty Bowl, right? It's okay, no okay. big deal. So we walked over there. I don't want to cause any gruff. I don't want to cause any problems. But I did just get my damn ribs on the cooker. So, you know, we walk over there. And the Liberty Bowl's got like 20 different entrances, right? You can go into a bunch of different ways. Most everybody went into one way. Um, okay. We kind of walked towards another corner and realized, oh, this isn't an entrance. But we're underneath like, you know, we're underneath everything. Yeah. And we're, you know, and we're perfectly safe. We're perfectly fine, but we're not in there. 
after a little bit, you could see it was breaking up. You could see it wasn't nearly as bad as projected, which it always is never as bad as projected. And right. so we saw a couple other teams walking over. I look at my timer and think, man, these ribs are about ready to be tended to. I got to go. So I just walked over there and I said, if somebody says something to me, I'll walk back. I'm not going to fight the man, but I'm also not going to stay here if they've gotten everybody wrangled up and they don't care anymore. Okay. So then, so then, uh, I, I got a buddy of mine texted me, said, Hey man, I see you cooking. And I said, yeah. I said, come on back over. He said, we can't. So what are you talking about? They locked the gates. They ushered them all in to the damn Liberty bowl and they, closed the wrought iron gates and locked them and police sat outside of them and made them wait for two hours wow okay okay and That's all i kept thinking was is man if this ain't the big hang on this is for your safety guys this is for your safety remember that remember that's what they're saying when they're trying to tell you something be careful. Be real careful. The state is not your friend. Well, they, but, here's yeah, here's so, the deal with so that. So Friday right? was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. The deal with the uh, it, it's if there is a lightning strike within eight miles of the event, then you have to wait thirty minutes until after that is got. Which honestly makes no sense considering how fast some of these storms move through. But, well, that was it. The whole the cloud yeah. opened up in the sky. Like you could see, basically, the storm came from the west, which they always do. Yep. And and as soon as it hit the water, it, it was burrowing through Arkansas, which you can hit a golf ball real far. You hit Arkansas. Yeah. As soon as it hits the Mississippi River, it just completely dissipates. It hits that water and it falls all to pieces and it spreads wide open. And we had blue sunny skies. It was absolutely perfect. And for about an hour after blue skies, they were all still locked up. We can't use logic. We can't use common sense. We can't use your goddamn eyeballs. You got to <laughs> listen to the state. Because Which is old insane. Smokey Joe sitting in his car right in front of the damn locked up gates. What are we doing? We're locking people in gates now? Uh, it was, it's nuts. Well, they did that for uh, for Bill Street Music Festival, too, like on, on the Saturday night of that. Um, I didn't know that. That's yeah, crazy. That's man. Well, it's because of uh, you know they've got all the metal scaffolding and all that kind of stuff that's inside the park, but they also you know Megan the Stallion I don't think went on until almost one o'clock in the morning, and and she finished her set around two a.m. So you know it's 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 weird how they do it. Um, what a, what the a first thing they did is they used the same weird ass COVID science of. If you had a if you had a, a a a wristband to get in, then you could stay. The storm was safe enough for you yeah. to be there. But if you bought a ticket to get in, you had to leave the park because it wasn't safe. And so so it's safe for me, but it's not safe for all the people that paid to get in. Okay, that's that's weird. That's like saying it's you know it's not safe to walk to your seat, but as soon as you sit down in a restaurant, COVID can't get you. Like like we're using the same gypsy logic that don't make any sense. When, when we're talking about doing these things, you're on an airplane, you got to wear your mask, but as soon as you get a drink and some crackers, you can take it down. COVID won't get you. Don't know you're eating. Like, I, like if it, if it, and I'm not a, look, I'm not a COVID denier. I'm not anything. I'm just telling you the state likes to make rules because it likes to tell people how to live their life and what to do. It's yeah. not, it, nothing's ever for your safety. So that was the only quip in the thing. I'm glad. And I'll tell you this from this point forward, I always try to find a corner 
to where I'm following the rules, but I always – you're not locking me in a gate, man. You're just not locking me in a gate. Two hours they stayed in there, and you know what? Every bathroom in the Liberty Bowl was locked up. So these people have been drinking since, like, oh, 9 a.m., oh. and now they're locked up for two hours. People just pissing everywhere, man. Ooh. Just The world is your urinal. Just go ahead and go. That is insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. I bet a bunch of ribs got burned. When, we got, in our, when yeah. we got to our corner, the first thing I told everybody, I kind of jokingly said, we got to find a pee corner, guys. We, we got to figure this thing out. We got, we got one dude that wheeled a keg over. <laughs> what are we gonna do? So at some point in time, somebody's gonna take a piss. Oh my god! Yeah, that sounds ridiculous. Anyway, a lot of a lot of burnt ribs, a lot of burnt, uh, you know, pork well, and whatnot. Burnt Friday. It was pretty oh. perfect. It was pretty amazing. Uh, uh, had a good practice run Friday, um, and uh, and a perfect perfect Saturday for me, uh, cooking them. I, I can't control the judges, but that's okay. Man, uh, had a good, had a really really good time, and looking forward to uh, to next year. Well, that definitely works for me. Definitely works for me. I have had your ribs before. I know that they are fantastic. So yes, I am. Uh, I'm ready to try them again. Let's uh, let's hop into some of this news, man. We we got uh, we got all kind of stuff that is going on. Um, Patrick Beverly. Now we'll go on and talk about this. Uh, whew, Patrick Beverly. My goodness, what is going on with this man? Uh, called out CP3. I'll go on and pull it up on the uh, on the screen here. Patrick Beverly says the Suns should have benched Chris Paul in blowout loss. He said that CP3 is a cone. He's like a safety cone out there. You can get around him whenever you want to. And Luka, Luka absolutely did. Uh, Luka Doncic, I mean, just ate him for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, he talked about that. And he also talked about, I'll put this on the screen here, um, he called it before the game. He said, y'all stay locked in. Let's see who pulls the fake hurt move down a dub. And shown up, and he called that at 8.49 p.m. And at 10.52 p.m., Mark Spears tweeted, Suns point guard Chris Paul limped out of the arena with a very slow walk. Uh, so-and-so learned that Paul had a left quad injury. When asked about his quad injury, Paul declined the comment. Like, Patrick Beverly has played with these guys. He knows this situation. He knows what guys do what and make it look like, oh, we've always wondered about this. Like, was Chris Ball really hurt? Like, is that why they got blown out so bad? Or is it just uh, he's faking this so that he looks heroic for even playing in the game? All that kind of stuff. There are a lot of dudes that do not like Chris Ball and they do not like the Phoenix Suns. And there's a lot of people that don't like Patrick Beverly either. But him coming out with this stuff, uh, there was another tweet. I thought I had it pulled up. I do not. Jeremy Lin tweeted something about, uh, I hope that Chris Paul wins a title before he retires because he deserves it. And Patrick Beverly responded to it last night and said, why does he deserve a title? What, what has he done that makes him deserve a title more than anybody else? And that's a very interesting point. Chris, you and I have talked about this before a little bit. Uh, maybe not on the show, but why do we feel like some of these players that have just been around for a long time and have, have kind of been superstars, why do people believe that they deserve titles? Do you have any idea what that's about? It's it's just this new American way where where we think that, you know, you're playing a team sport. And people say the same thing. Oh, Mike Trout. Oh, gosh. He's been the best player in baseball for so long. Like he it'd be great to title. see him. It'd be great to see him win one. Like why? 
Why would it be great? Why would it be great? He takes a shitload of money. The rest of the team sucks dick most of the time. This year they're amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 you know, okay. Like maybe if he didn't take all that money, they could have put a better team around him all these years. Like, I don't know. I can't explain it, but it's a team sport. All these things are team sports. And even if they're individual sports, like who cares? The best guy wins. And if the, Look, I am a Ricky Fowler golf fan, okay? I would give anything in the world to have seen Ricky win a major. Now Ricky's not even competing in the majors anymore because he's just falling off compared to where everybody else is, all right? Like, he doesn't deserve it. He just – I just wanted to see him get it because I love it. But but that that has nothing to do with who deserves it, who doesn't. The team that wins usually deserves it. Usually deserves it. Usually. And there are some sports where rules are manipulated. And, 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 you know, I don't like the way things are built. And I don't like the way – like, NBA is that sport, okay? I'd much rather see the Suns win than one of these, you know, the New York Nets. Like, these friends and family, you know, it's too hard to win. And so, I'm just going to join up with three of the other best players in the world. And and, and then we'll win that way. Like, like I hate that. Yeah. But I don't know what to do. Like, what you know, so if anybody deserves to win – you know, it's these guys that try to build it the right way. Chris Paul's been passed around the last couple of years uh, to a lot of different teams. I don't like him. I don't like his style of play. I, I, I think, and I've caught shit from this from friends of mine that are big NBA fans, I think he's overrated in his style of play in his game. Um, this is not the first major collapse that we have seen him have uh, in, in playoffs. Um, you know how I feel about this as soon as – you know, the season's over with. Oh, we're going to find out there was an injury bullshit. I, I, I just hate that. Guys do it in football all the time. And and I'm sure they do it in baseball, too. And it's just one of those things where I hate it. Why does the guy have to be hurt just because he sucks? Yeah, he just got and if you're gonna, and the rule And the rule that I have is if you're going to play through an injury, because I said this shit with Baker Mayfield all last year, if you're going to be hurt, be hurt and sit down. But if you're going to play, I get the right to judge your ability on the field. I get to judge you for how you played the game, okay? And you don't get the excuse of playing hurt and sucking and then saying, yeah, but I played hurt. No, sir. No, sir. You strap it up. You owe it to the other men in that locker room to to, to make no excuses. If you're ready to go, then you're going to be judged on what we see. The performance you put on the court or you put on the field, you we get to judge that, and you don't get this caveat of, oh, but I was hurt. But, see, the problem is is too many media guys have become friends with these players, and they don't want to say hateful things. They don't want to say hurtful things. They don't want to say that, that you know, that, that, that he shouldn't have played through the injury or call him out like Patrick did. I know Patrick is an unlikable guy. I know all of Memphis hates Patrick right now because of our game against – uh, series against uh, the, the Timberwolves. Yeah, but I'm gonna tell you this: I like his style of play. He he is a Jay Crowder style guy. He is a Marcus Smart style guy. Yes, he, he is, is a bulldog on the court, and he takes no shit from nobody. And he he he's gonna fight tooth and nail. He wasn't born with all the god gifted ability that some of these guys were. Okay, he yeah. didn't have the body that LeBron James had at 14 years old. But the, the, the law didn't bless him that way, okay? No, he had to work but, for everything he got. That's right. That's why that's my favorite player, my favorite player in the NBA for so long was Tony Allen. 
Because Tony Allen knew his role. Tony Allen said, I will D up anybody on the planet. You don't want me touching the basketball once I steal it, but by God, I'm going to steal the shit out of it over and over again. <laughs> Pat, Pat Bev has a lot of TA in him, a whole lot of TA. He does. Yeah. He does. I know Grizzly fans don't like him because you don't want to go against that guy. You know what? I want that guy on my roster. I want 100%. that guy on my team. Oh, he'd be great. He'd be great for this team. Uh, he does he'd be talk great a lot. for any team. I, you know, yeah. so oh yeah, it fit in. It fit in well because we talk a lot of cold shit too. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm just not. I don't. I don't understand the that he deserves a, a title thing. You know, Dan Marino has got to be the greatest uh, quarterback in in NFL history and didn't have a title. I mean, he really is. But there is almost yeah. no different in 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 the numbers that he put up his entire career, uh, consistent like with contemporaries. That was any different than John Elway and and Peyton Manning. You're talking about the best on the planet, and because these guys start getting a couple of rings here and there, everybody starts leapfrogging him. And it's and I can't explain it. I don't know when he was playing the game. I was young and and I loved it and I watched, but I I didn't really know how to watch football back then. Um, so you know, it, it's just really hard for me to judge. But I just don't – I don't understand this concept that wouldn't have been better for his career if he won one. Yes, that's an insane statement to make. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't have to say that. But does he deserve one? Like, should we just treat him like he has one? That, I don't understand that either. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. Uh, it just – it doesn't – it doesn't always make a lot of sense to me, you know. It's, it's, I don't like, but do you like? How do you feel about Chris Paul personally? Because I don't like. I've never liked his game. I don't. I don't like him on the court at all. I don't. I mean, I'm obviously I don't know anything about the man personally, but like I, I, I've never ever ever liked him at all. I, I think he always takes cheap shots. That's and I think that's my lost. situation with him. I think. I, he, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not going to say dirty, but but man, he borders real close to dirty. But then yeah. he whines and bitches when other people ticky tack touch him. And you know me and the consistency thing, man. If you're gonna play hard and aggressive and you're gonna you're gonna try to get away with stuff, you you damn sure can't be a baby about it when other people do it to you. Like oh, yeah. you know, I, I he's, just he's like always that, been known so. as a, a whiner and when he was playing with the Clippers, it was uh very apparent, right? Like you you knew exactly what he was. Uh, you were right. I mean, he has been. Oh, they were Flop City. Yeah, Flop City. They went from Lob City to Flop City. And so he he played for the Clippers, then got traded to the Thunder, went to the Rockets. Now he's been with the Suns, and like everywhere he goes, they do get better. But eh, yes, you know they they never reach that that pinnacle, which is you know what Patrick Beverly was talking about. You know, yeah, he's he's a good player, but I don't think he deserves. I mean, there the title are people that right else. now. Mike Wilbon, who I who I appreciate, and I and I I, I hear his, his his arguments, and this guy is far more knowledgeable about the NBA than I'll ever be. He's forgotten more about the sport than I'll ever know. Okay, he this year had him as like the ninth best player in the NBA. And that's insane. That's, absurd. that's that's just I know that they won like sixty something games. Okay, I know they're the only team that won sixty games this year. I know they had an amazing season, but. There's there's no there's no way on earth he had a top ten in the entire league season. There's no metric that you can get that from. No, 
No, there's not. Uh, he's 37 years old, by the way. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he ain't getting a ring, all right? Because if he didn't do it this year, he ain't getting one. Because tomorrow, he's going to be older than he was today. That's how time works, baby. Yeah. Uh, don't go by backwards. the way, uh, Chris Paul blew the his fifth 2-0 series lead of his career, which is an NBA record. Um, yep. I mean, he, we've seen him do this a lot. He's blown three-one leads before. He's, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, you know what we're not doing and what we haven't done and we should. We're, we we haven't talked enough about Luca. Oh and, yeah. And I remember, I remember, see, I, I put my little cap on, and I think back a couple of years ago when that draft came out, and everybody said this guy's going to go first, and this guy's going to go second, this guy's going to go third, and all these things were going to happen. And I said, why, why, why ain't anybody taking Luca? No, well, they're all afraid to take the foreign guy because Darko Milicic was a bust. Like, like the last <laughs> big-time foreign white, foreign white guy, you know, that was taken number one overall was a bust. So, so we just can't ever do that again. So, so he'll go third or fourth, but yeah. he won't go first. And I said, why? He's the best player. Like, he's been playing professional basketball since he was, like, 13 years old. Like, I you want remember- that guy. You remember the Mavericks were the number five pick that year, and they're the ones yep. that traded with the Hawks. The Grizzlies were right in the middle. Right in the middle. They so traded with the Hawks. The, the, Hawks, Hawks, took him. the Hawks took Luka and then yep. traded him back to the number five pick for Trey Young. Trey Young. And, yep. and right in the middle, Memphis took Jaron Johnson Jr. That's right. We took Triple J. And, I'm right with that. And it's, it's, kind been, of, hang on. it's worked out for all, all three of them. Yeah. All three of those guys. I, can you tell me who the first first two players were in that draft? Uh, man, I do not remember to save can my you look life. It up? I'm driving. Uh, Marvin Bagley, the second, I oh, think, yeah. was number two. Congratulations! All uh, right, yep. What draft was that? Was that 2018 or 19? 18. I think. I think Ja was 19. Let's see. DeAndre. DeAndre Ayton. And oh, Marvin Aiden's been special. And I still think Aiden's special. I'm going to tell you this is not a planet on <laughs> in the solar system that I would take DeAndre Aiden over <laughs> hey Chris, where where really? are you driving right now? Alusia? Alusia? Hey. <laughs> oh, damn it. Hold on, you're good. You're good now. You got me back? I got you back. I hear you giggling. <laughs> it was doing the weird digital whatever stuff. <laughs> I, I'm on Pleasant Hill. I'm on Pleasant Hill Road. I'm on Pleasant Hill and I'm almost to Kroger. I'm not in the bush, damn it. <laughs> So you got every other swear word that I said? Yeah, I got all of them. I got, yeah. I got I the whole I thing. fit right in context. Everything else I do. Oh, man. Uh, anyway. Yeah, Luke, so I'm Luke, with you. Luke, Luke is awesome. Luke, Luke is, awesome. is pretty damn amazing. And and the collapse of the sun is taking that away. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. Uh, we'll get to see a lot of them, though. Yeah. You know, we got a new series coming up, them against the Warriors. We'll get to see him against Steph and Clay and all that bunch. So I think uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch. It'll be fun. Let's move into some football talk. We still have the uh, Mountain West Mountain Division that we're going to talk about, but we're going to roll through some football news, just kind of quick hitters right quick. Uh, we will start off 
with Traylon Burks. Uh, we had talked after the NFL draft about whether or not it was a good idea for the Titans. Uh, they are of the belief that they can trade away a player the caliber of A.J. Brown and just go draft another one and keep him on a rookie deal, right? Well, they bring in Traylon Burks. And Traylon Burks was unable to finish his first practice of Titans minicamp. Uh, it says the Arkansas wide receiver was unable to get through it. Uh, he was observed as having trouble breathing in the wide receiver's first drill. Uh, Paul Kowarski uh, tweeted out, Traylon Burks didn't make it through the first wide receiver drill, was hunched over early, went into a new building with trainer, was using an inhaler, came back out, did a couple of reps, later went back in. Uh, John Glennon, uh, who reported on it, said one of uh, Traylon Burks' final reps during individual drills before he went inside looked like he was having trouble breathing. It says, uh, according to Pro Football Talk, Burks' first trip inside the facility, he returned to work with wide receivers coach Rob Moore on releases and head fakes. He went back inside the facility and did not return to practice. Vrabel um, said working with the trainer sometimes isn't enough to get a player ready for NFL practice. He said, I think it's hard to think they can recreate with the trainer how we do things, and we see that with guys that have come back and started with our offseason program and guys that have joined a few weeks in, it's just different. I know that they're working, and they think they're trying to get in shape, but that's just not the case. That's something we have to focus on, try and make sure we're getting some work in, but with all of them, we're trying to be as smart as we possibly can. So it doesn't sound like this was a medical issue or anything like that. It sounds like uh, he just got wore out. Like, absolutely wore out. And I don't know if this gives us any kind of insight into what, you know, Burks is going to be, but uh, the early returns are not exactly favorable. Favorable? Would you agree with that? Yep, did we lose Chris? It appears we may have lost Chris. And that's okay. Uh, we'll get him back here in just a little bit. But Traylon Burks... Couldn't make it through the first Titans. Uh, oh. I'm not gonna re- <laughs> you're, you're, you're falling back out again. Uh, so all this, I'm here. All right, no, I, I got right you. Here. I got you now. I got you. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. Uh, maybe not. Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Disconnect and reconnect to this thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I'm going to let him talk about Traylon Burks here in just a little bit. Uh, but we'll move on to the next topic here. And the next topic is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has announced or, or released on Twitter or whatever that he wants to retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And the situation here. Uh, basically has to do with he is not getting a lot of looks from other teams after what happened with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in that situation, um, we're going to pull this up on the screen here. Uh, It says he wants to retire as a Steeler. It says free agent receiver Antonio Brown has drawn no interest this year, especially in light of his refusal to have surgery on his ankle until he gets a commitment from his team, which is kind of mind-blowing. It said, uh, it appears that he's thinking about not playing again anywhere. He expressed out of the blue on Monday he wants to retire as a member of the Steelers, which I don't know why uh, Pittsburgh would do that. It's it's strange. 
I will certainly say that. Uh, as you can see on the screen, he tweeted out, just want to retire a Steeler, and and I don't get it. Uh, and it's, I mean, he said he wants to come back as, uh, there we go, getting Chris back in here. Uh, but it says he wants to retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And I don't know why Pittsburgh would ever allow this to happen. I It makes no sense to me why they would let it go. Chris, you uh, you back with us. I guess. I've yes, been sitting yes, in the damn bank parking lot uh, it sounds in the middle of Olive Branch. I, it, can't, I haven't moved. It sounds perfect now. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I've moved on to Antonio Brown. He tweeted out, just want to retire a Steeler. Uh, he's not getting any looks from other teams because uh, he is refusing to have surgery on his ankle until he gets a commitment from a team, which is kind of nuts. Like, why would you not just get this thing taken care of? Right? Like, we, we know AB's crazy, but... Uh, he's he's not he's not ever playing again. He's not ever playing again. He's never going to touch yeah. another roster. After what happened in Tampa Bay, I just I don't buy it. Like I, I, I don't think uh, on he's the gonna... NFL. I can't say that he won't he won't get broke and, and and go to one of these USL or USFL or whatever the hell these leagues are. But or, right or now, maybe the fan controlled league, right? Roster again. Yeah. yeah, he's never touched an NFL roster the rest of his life. So. If uh, if you're the Steelers, is there any way you would do this for any kind of publicity no. or anything like that? Like it, it doesn't bring no. anything good to the organization, does it? Nope, it's all bad publicity. It's it's not what you want, and and there's zero zero chance they do this. There's zero chance they do this. I agree, I agree with you. I just I don't see the upside uh, at any point for this. So we'll uh, we'll move off of that. Let's yep. let's hit college football right quick. We got two quick topics that I did want to bring up here. Shane Beamer, the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, talked about, uh, you know, with, with a couple of people, I think college sports on Sirius XM, but after their spring practice and whatnot, he has come out and said uh, his one change for college football would be, I would love to see in either spring practice or the month of August where we could actually scrimmage another college football team. He said, we are the only sport at any level, high school, college, pro, any sport, that does not get any kind of preseason scrimmage or exhibition game against another team before you go play for real. And I think he's right. We've talked about this as far yes. as how we would change up the spring games where you could bring in an FCS team or whatever, but even if you were to scrimmage against, say, another SEC team or or whatever, uh, I think it could be good for everybody, especially with all the new faces that some of these teams have. You're bringing in transfers. You're trying to get the chemistry right, etc. You have no idea what you are doing until you step foot on that field that first Saturday in September or uh, whatever, Labor Day weekend typically is the first weekend of college football. You got no idea what your team is until you actually see live bullets. So why would we not do this? Like, you agree with me, right? This is, and, and Shane Beaver, this is yeah. 100% a good idea. Yeah. Now, we've talked about this. I wish this would replace the pay-for-wins on the schedule. Is you call up some FCS team, you throw them a check, you bring them in. Instead of a spring game that is completely useless, that that you get zero information from whatsoever, let's bring in a scrimmage game and let's let's pay somebody in the spring and and let you bring them in and you work on stuff and they get to work on stuff and and you know the big boy team sells the tickets and makes the money and and this is how we do this. Yes. 
Yes. Like, I know that we've only got 15 practices in the spring. I understand that. Uh, but you could you could totally make this one of the practices. Like, I, I understand NCAA rules, and they'll probably, all of these things will be changing eventually as it goes. But this is 100% what we've been talking about, and I think it's the right idea. Like, get these guys more work against opponents. That's the biggest thing. Just that do it against somebody else so that you can at least see what you got. You know? Uh, it's crazy. Sure. Crazy. Uh, and then final topic here on college football. Let me swap this over. Uh, we have got another transfer. And I won't spend long on this, but uh, but we've talked about Missouri, and they have been in the transfer hunt for quite some time now. And Missouri now has brought in Jack Abraham, a former Mississippi State quarterback, backup quarterback for Mike Leach's bunch. And... Abraham, you know, it didn't win the starting job at Mississippi State. I thought he might, but uh, but obviously they got a good thing going with Will Rogers there. Jack Abraham was the starting quarterback at Southern Miss for a little while, transferred to Mississippi State. Now in his last year, he's going to go play for Missouri, and I think he's going to be the starter. Uh, they have been, you know, they were in the Jaden Daniels sweepstakes. They were in the JT, was it Jaden Daniels? Yeah, Jaden Daniels and the JT Daniels sweepstakes. They were trying to get another quarterback, Connor Basilak transferred out and went to Indiana. Uh, I, I think, I think this will end up all right. Like you got a good steady hand. He's a veteran. He's uh, a fifth or sixth year. See, I don't even know how long he's been playing. He's been around forever, but uh, it seems like a pretty good move to me for both sides here. Missouri needed a veteran guy that has some experience, and and Jack Abraham needed somewhere where he could actually play. I think it's a smart move. You uh. How, how do you feel about this one? Uh, yeah, I think I think Abraham has potential to actually get get some starting time. Now he's definitely going to be in the competition. Oh yeah, uh, Will Will Rogers was not losing his seat. Will Rogers statistically was probably the best quarterback last year. Um, I mean, if you look at the amount of yards that he threw for, um, and and his completion percentage was just ridiculous. So the only thing that hurt him was touchdowns. Now, you have certainly got that right. Uh, the two that are left on the schedule at Missouri, or not on the schedule, on the roster at Missouri, uh, we have got da, 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 uh, quarterbacks Brady Cook and Tyler Macon. Both of them were freshmen last year. Uh, you know, Brady Cook, 79.3% completion percentage on 58 passes, had two touchdowns, no interceptions. He could be the guy, uh, but there, there's a reason why Eli Drinkwitz wanted to get another quarterback and wanted somebody that uh, that might have been an upperclassman. I, I think he expects Abraham to come in and and compete. And uh, maybe maybe hopefully is not the right word, but hopefully win that starting job to give them a little bit of experience at that position. So uh, the SEC is tough when you don't have a lot of talent. And, uh, which, and he's upgrading the talent. Let me Let me get that straight. But it, it can be really, really tough when you don't have somebody behind center that really knows what they're doing. So so we'll see what ends up happening with that. Let me go on and uh, knock out these reads right quick. And we will tell you, you can find everything that you need to know about us over at winningcureseverything.com. Make sure and subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube page. Leave a nice five-star review for us, if you would so kindly, over on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Those certainly help us out with the algorithm, etc. Jump into the chat or the comment section on the YouTube page. And along with that, 
You can also find us on Twitter. If you ever want to give us a comment, tell us something you like about the show, bring up a topic that you want us to discuss, etc., you can do that on Twitter. I am at GaryWCE. Chris is at ChrisBGiannini. And the show is at Winning Cures. You can also watch the show there uh, when, whenever we actually go live on it. Uh, along with that, you can find me over at BetUSTV.com. Got a lot of interesting things coming up this week. Uh, We're recording a show about the French Open that starts next week. We've got one about the Preakness Stakes that will be this weekend. Uh, all kinds of stuff. They are doing a boxing one uh, as well, and I'll be, uh, I'll be jumping in on that. So check it out, BetUSTV.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That moves us over to our college football previews for today. And we will start off, my friend. It is the Mountain West Mountain Division. And we actually really enjoyed this division last year. Before we start off, we're going we're gonna to roll with the Utah State Aggies because they won the division and the conference last year. Uh, you got any initial impressions of the conference overall? Uh, conference overall the division overall? Uh, the division last overall. Time- Division okay, because last time I gave a conference overall impression, and we're talking only division. That's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> this division, I there there are some teams that I think are going in the right direction, and I like the coaches. And there are teams that I think are going in the wrong direction, and or just not doing anything that moves the needle. Whether they're going in a direction or not, it's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. There are the haves and the have-nots. Um, you know. Well, you know what? Let's just let's jump into it, and we will talk about each one as we go along. Uh, we'll start off here with the Utah State Aggies, and Utah State, of course, Blake Anderson's team, uh, hell of a year last year in his first season. Yep. Went eleven and three, went six and two in the conference, um, won the Mountain West. I mean, just destroyed yes. San Diego State in the conference title game. Uh, their post-game win expectancy. This is a new one I'm going to bring up on each of these teams that kind of gives you an idea of how deserving the teams were, et cetera, of those wins. Uh, 8.28 and 4.72. So the post-game win expectancy for them last year says that they really should have been about an 8-5 and five team. Uh, but they went 11-3, and three and they, they certainly improved towards the end of the year. The first, like, five games of the season – uh, it, or seven games. I guess they opened up five and two, but they got three wins, like just by the the skin of their teeth. I mean, it was really, really close. Probably shouldn't have beaten Air Force. Probably shouldn't have beaten Colorado State. I mean, it was stuff at the end of the game that really came down to it, and the stats just didn't look right. They they got a lot of lucky bounces last year, but they ended up really improving throughout the season, and you could see it. They destroyed San Diego State in that Mountain West title game, and then they beat Oregon State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. So this was a good team last year. This is going to be a fun season to see exactly what Blake Anderson has there. Uh, We'll start off with the offense. Bonner completed 61.3% of his passes. The offense was number 25 in third down conversions. They were number one in the country in 30-plus yard plays. So they were, uh, I'm not going to say boom or bust, 
but they certainly took a lot of chances, and they capitalized on them. Uh, They're returning five offensive linemen that have 500-plus snaps. The question here is, can those offensive linemen get any kind of a push to help the rushing success rate with returning starting running back Tyler? Um, Calvin Tyler is the running back, by the way. Uh, they were number 124 in the country. Every other offensive statistic that you could find was really, really good. Their rushing success rate was number six from the bottom last year. So if they can get any kind of consistency there, it's certainly going to help them out when they play. Hang on now. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's that's Mike Anderson's offense. Hey, it is boomer bust. He takes the top off the defense, and if you miss and if your defensive back doesn't make the right play, he is going to score. Okay, True. and when he does that, that means he scores fast, and they're not running the damn football. Like this is the way that they play offense. Like if they ran the ball really well, then this wouldn't be a Blake Anderson offense. Uh, okay, you do have a value. So they're not there. gonna they're not gonna get better at running the football because they don't do that. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's uh let's talk about the defense. If you, without looking at numbers, last year, uh, would you have considered their defense pretty good? Uh, I would have said at the beginning of the year, no, and I think they got considerably better at the end of the year, but I don't know any metrics. I'm just gauging on, like you, Blake Anderson, watching this team more than most Mountain West teams. They were not very good at uh, passing success rate, but they were pretty good at rushing success rate. They were number 42 in the country in defensive PPA per drive. That's defensive uh, predicted points added per drive, which is really good. For a Mountain West, that's real. Team. That's that's really good for a yes. for a Mountain West team. Yeah, so they especially they a team the size of Utah State. Uh, you got that right. They uh they lost some studs, but they did bring in some really talented transfers. Uh, that could end up making the unit even better in 2022. Defense was number 31 in havoc rate last year, number 10 in stuff rate. So that defensive line was serious. Uh, you got to wonder can they continue that trajectory without their defensive end Henninger and the linebacker Rice. Uh, their defensive end. Uh, Byron Vaughn's is he is the key here. Like I think he's going to be insanely disruptive. He had a a personal havoc rate of like five percent, which is kind of absurd. Like he's he's unbelievable. So I would I would imagine this team could be really really good. Uh, they do have a linebacker back AJ, and I'm not even going to try and say his last name, uh, but his numbers were great last year. So they they got some good dudes coming in that I think are going to be awesome here. Um, big losses though. Their top three wide receivers are gone. Um, and, you know, you lose that the defensive end and the linebacker. They lose uh, the safety, Shaq Bond. They lose their tight end, Carson Terrell. Um, keys to the season here, I've got, can the team go 4-0 in one-score games again? Now, it, the postgame win expectancy, no. su- they suggested three fewer wins, but obviously they played better at the end. Um, I don't think you can do 4-0 in one-score games again. Uh They'll yeah, need to reestablish those playmakers. Like I said, they lost their top three wide receivers. But they did bring in Cobbs, a wide receiver from Maryland, and uh, Xavier Williams from Alabama. And those guys could pop. They are really, really talented guys. I've got this team sitting at like 8-4 and four this year, and I think it would be really good Man. Uh, you know, to, to keep them around that. That's exactly and- what I've got, 8-4. and four. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Uh, eight and four. Like I, I had a feeling you would you would think highly of this team as well. But you know, when you look at the schedule, they play at Boise, they play at Alabama. Uh, I've got them losing at BYU, and then I've got them losing at home to Air Force. Uh, you know, I've, I think they could probably beat Air Force. They just did it last year. 
So is nine or ten wins out of the question here? I don't think so. But, you know, when you got those three on the road, BYU, Boise, and Alabama, uh, you know, anything more than nine wins it might be a little much. And eight wins seems, you know, just about right. Just about right with what with what else is happening across the uh, the conference. You uh, you feel pretty strong about that one. Yep, eight 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 and four is really 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 good season. That is basically assuming they have one conference loss. Yes, yes. So, well, two. Uh, two. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I kind of always take Boise out of everything. Yeah. So <laughs> they seem like an I, I think Yeah, I know it sounds shitty. Because there's no reason this team can't compete with Boise. Agreed. Agreed. I'm 100% with you. I am 100% with you. I think that this team, um, I mean, Utah State could certainly challenge for the division again. Like, I don't sure. I don't think that there's anything great. Like, they could win the conference again. They got low. The quarterback is back, and they got talented transfers in. So long as everything cooks together. Like, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, we will move on. Over to the Air Force Falcons, and let me write my time down here. Uh, the Air Force Falcons last year, I mean, just an incredible year, and they do this almost all the time under Troy Calhoun. It feels like it went 10-3. and three. Uh, They were that 149-45 game away against Utah State from actually winning this division and being 11-2. and two. They did win their bowl game against Louisville. Uh, returning production is, is actually pretty good here. Um, you look at their roster strength, their, the roster strength is never good because they don't get the same recruits as everybody else, but they develop the hell out of kids. Just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, big losses for this team. Defensive end, Jordan Jackson, he got drafted by the Saints. Uh, the linebacker, Meeks. The cornerback, Milton Bug the third. But everybody on offense comes back. And this was an incredibly efficient offense last year, number 15 in PPA per drive. Uh, when you look at, you know, at, the offense is just incredibly proven incredibly experienced quarterback uh Hazik Daniels is back the playmakers uh running back Hughes the wide receiver Davis they have got six offensive linemen that had 350 plus snaps last year uh and then their top six rushers are back this season which is just absurd for a team that is awesome at running the football um on top of that, the defense, you know, you got to wonder what that defensive line is going to look like. Uh, the defensive coordinator left. John Radzinski, he left for Virginia. He joined Tony Elliott's staff over there. So the inside linebackers coach, Brian Knorr, is going to take over here. But uh, you look at this, like the defensive line is is my biggest question. They've only got one guy that had more than 277 snaps last year, and, and only three players had 250. Like, they don't have a lot of experience on that defensive line, so that's that's going to be an issue. They lost over 1,400 snaps between the cornerback bug and the safety Taylor. Um, it, they were number 120 in defensive explosive play rate last year. You got to get your secondary to limit those explosive plays, which is, you would think with them running the football, it would limit that anyway, but the play rate is the difference there. Um, keys to the season here, keep Daniels and the playmakers healthy. Uh, a little more explosivity in the offense and then limiting explosive plays on the defense. I mean, the way their schedule sets up, like they could have an undefeated season here. Uh, develop the defensive line, hope that Nora can continue that same trajectory that the defense was on under Radzinski. I've got them going 10 and 2 this year. I mean, they are, their, their post game win expectancy last year, by the way, was 10.21 and 1.79. So it, that's during the regular season. Uh, they were not expected to lose that Utah State game last year. 
So that's right. I I I look at this team like I've got them losing at San Diego State and I've got them losing to Boise. I could see them beating both of those. There's not a team on this schedule that scares me for Air Force. Like I, I really wow. think they're a fantastic team. Yeah. So I've I've got okay. them ten and two, um, but I, I think they could be better than that. We're we're pretty far off here. Okay. I mean, we we might not have another one where we're this far off. So I, okay. I've got them six and six. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I just think this conference is getting better. I think the Mountain West is getting bigger. They're getting stronger and they're getting faster. And the 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 more athleticism that comes into the conference, the more that hurts these um, military schools because there's only so big you can get, and and there's only so much strength you can have in the bodies that you have to have to be in the military. That I, I do see where you're going with that. Um, I, I think I think we're going to see a pretty big drop off there. So I'm curious to see one of us is going to be right because they're not going to have a losing season, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna go yeah, bowling. I mean, they're they're gonna make so a bowl. Are they are they closer to ten and two? Or are they closer to six and six? And I, I'm, I'm anxious to see. And you know, I hate that. I don't want to do that. But I think Army is 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 really good. You know. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm not I'm not giving them that game. And I think Boise's really good. And I'm not giving them that game. I'm just not. I'm just I, like there's a lot of games where I'm just not going to give it to them anymore. I, can, I think they've got a lot more coin flips than than they do beating the hell out of folks. Their projected SP plus record is eight and four, so it is yeah. right in between where you. So and right, are. right between where you and I are. Yeah, you got two it. games. I got them two games less. You got them two games more. Yeah, That's, I may be overestimating the the or I guess underestimating the loss of Radzinski, the defensive coordinator. That could be a big thing here. Um, I just I trust Calhoun. Just not giving him enough of credit because I look at the schedule and I. But I like this conference. I think this yeah. conference is getting deeper. There was a day and a time where this conference was a one-trick pony for decades. Not not a couple of years. For twenty years, they had one horse, and yeah. now they got five or six horses, and they, and they change spots all the time. No, you're Santa definitely Jose right. State, like Won it. this monkey a couple of years ago, and then struggled to get to five hundred. Because yeah. all, and it wasn't because they fell off. Because all the other teams got back. Nobody on the planet thought Utah State was going to be anywhere close to as good as they were last year. Is it impossible for another Utah State to show up? No, for I don't another think so. team to go from worst to first. I. I mean, I will. I will tell you this. I don't know that Wyoming, Colorado State, and New Mexico no, are going to do that. But we don't. We don't think it's going to happen. But also, we know. I'm going to take like you tell me more than anybody else. Colorado State is putting money in the resources. Oh yeah, okay. they're trying to get better. At some point in time, it's probably going to click, and it might only click for a season. But It'll I just click. feel like I just feel like it, this conference is getting to a point where you can't just. Wash over wins. Now the next team, I'm, all that's going to sound ridiculous because they're, they're the big boy team, and I just washed over wins. So well, let's uh, let's go on and dive into them, the Boise State Broncos, and of course, first year under Andy Avalos, uh, they, uh, you know, seven and five. Their post game win expectancy uh, had them at six point five seven and five point four three. So. You know, six and six, seven and five. They ended up seven and five. Uh, their projected SP plus record for this year is nine and three. 
you look at the numbers from last year, and they were incredibly efficient. Number 49 in PPA margin, uh, net points per drive, they were number 36. Like, they demolished some teams, uh, went 0-3 in one-score games. The offense has got to be more explosive with the quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer. Um, they lose their big play wide receiver, who was the only explosive threat they had. That was uh, Khalil Shakir. Um, they lose, you know, defensive back uh, Kaneho, the linebacker Riley Wimpy. Um, I mean, they lose offensive linemen. Jack Sears transferred out. The running back, our backup running back, Andrew Van Buren, uh, transferred out. Like, they still got dudes. Um, they're number seven in the country in defensive returning production. They're number 23 in overall returning production. Uh, strongest roster in the Mountain West this year, for sure. Uh, along with that, uh, you've got just efficiency on offense being the name of the game. Explosiveness was not. They lose the most explosive guy. Like I said, can they fix that issue? Can they bring in somebody or develop somebody into being that playmaker? I don't know that for sure yet. The offensive line is going to be good. Um, they return over four players, or excuse me, they return four players with more than 400 snaps, but their rushing success rate last year was number 91, which is something we're not used to. They've got George Halani coming back, the running back, but they're, I mean, they just were not able to really run the ball consistently last year. Uh, that's something that they're going to have to fix. They got to fix that on offense to be able to win some of these games. Uh, along with that, on the defensive side, studs all over the defense. They, they need to limit the explosive plays a little more. They're number 66 in defensive play rate, uh, defensive explosive play rate allowed. Um, you know, it, it bit Boise in a big way. They're number 64 in the country in 20-plus yard plays given up. Uh, rather than just being efficient, I'm curious if Boise can get into the backfield. They were number 90 in the country in tackles for loss last year, number 64 in sacks. So you gotta you got to be a little more aggressive. Avalos usually is. I don't know why this team didn't exactly jump into that last year. Still incredibly efficient team. They were number 17 in turnover margin, number 22 in penalties per game. They were better than that 7-5 and five record, it felt like. At least the roster looked like it. Um, you know, the keys for the season for me, defense needs to get more pressure and force more tackles for loss. Uh, the offense needs to be more explosive. And they need to win more close games. I mean, going 0-3 in those one-score games last year, including the first game of the season, when they were up 21 to nothing on UCF and ended up losing the game. I mean, just absurd. Nothing went right in Avalos' first year last year. I And then, of course, you know, the team got COVID. They couldn't even play in the, uh, in the bowl game. So I'm sure that he is looking to get a fresh start this go-round. I have got faith in this program overall. Uh, I don't know so much about Avalos, but because he is at that program... I feel good about them. I've got them going 10-2. and two. Only losses on the schedule I've got are to Fresno State and BYU. But even those could be wins. Uh, so I, I like them at 10-2. and two. I think there's a big difference between the haves and the have-nots in, in this division this year. So I do too. And we're exactly the same here. I was curious where you might have them. I've got them 10-2 and two as well. Uh, I think we're going to see a big bounce back uh, for uh, Avalos and this team. I could, uh, I could certainly see it. Um, you look at what they've got. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. They could they could go out and lose the first game of the season. They do play at Oregon huh? State. No, anything could happen. But anything could happen. happen. Yeah. Uh, their schedule, there are – it's not like they – I mean, 7-5 and five is not out of the realm of possibility again because you've got right. Oregon State, 
You've got San Diego State, Fresno, at Air Force, uh, BYU, and then Utah State to end the year. Like, there are a lot of landmines here. But this is the best roster in the Mountain West, and I expect Avalos to bounce back in his second full season and, and really be able to turn this thing up. So I, I've got him at 10-2, and two, uh, and you've got him at 10-2 and two as well. we got three more, so let's go ahead and run through them. Uh, I won't say quickly, but but quickly. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. Let's move on to the Wyoming Cowboys and Craig Bowl. Went 7-6 and six last year. Now I had high hopes for this bunch last year. And they just did not uh, do what they were supposed to do at all. Uh, and on top of that, this year, look, returning production, they're number 129 in the country. There are 131 FBS teams this year. Now that we have added James Madison, there's going to be more next year. But 129 is, you know, next to last. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They lose pretty much everybody. Their roster strength is way, way, way down. Uh, even worse than usual for their recruiting standards. Um, they lost a bunch of dudes. They just lost Solomon Bird in the uh, transfer portal. Uh, they lost both of their quarterbacks, Sean Chambers and Levi Williams, left. Uh, the running back, Valade, uh, went to Arizona State. Uh, the wide receiver, Isaiah Naor, um, he left to go to Texas. I mean, they, they lost a bunch of DBs. Uh, just not great things here. Um, they did bring in quarterback Andrew Peasley from Utah State, the backup guy. And, uh, and he might be pretty good. So we'll see there. On offense, it's a whole new cast, but they're going to have to put up more points than they did last year because the defense is just not going to be as good. They lost too many guys. Um, the offense was not great last year. So, you know, and you know that I love teams like this, uh, especially Craig Bowl, what he does. He likes to run the football, et cetera. Um, you know, they, they got Titus Swin, the running back, uh, back this year, and he was the backup last year, but his numbers were uh, relatively close to Valadez. So... Uh, secondary lost six of their top seven. They did get transfers from Ole Miss and Wisconsin. They're still not as likely to be as good as uh, as they were last year. The defensive line and linebacking core looked pretty stacked, but you can only do so much to prop up the secondary, especially in this conference. Uh, brother, like I, I've got this team four and eight, and I don't like that because I, I like what Craig Bold does, but man, when you get hit with the transfer portal and all of those seniors that graduated, um, I just, I mean, you're you're gonna have to try and develop guys early. They play Illinois, Tulsa, uh, Air Force at BYU in the first like four of the first five games. Like, I just I don't think it's gonna be good this year. Uh, so I'm I'm at four and eight. What are you looking at? Four and eight. Wow, we have one that we're like wildly apart, wildly apart. But almost all the rest of them, we have been as close as you could possibly be. Uh, we, I mean, we've been the exact same on, on several. several of these so far. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Well, um, I just – I got them four and eight. When I, I, when I look I, at this, I, I, I think – There's not a lot of hope here. La no, last year you tried to snooker me in on, on them being good, and I just didn't see it. I kind of stayed where I was at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you were smarter than me on that. Uh, <laughs> I just – I really thought, like, they had everything in place last year. And, and – you look at the roster, and it certainly looked like they did. But, uh, whew, and the schedule was set up, like, brilliantly for them. And they just looked awful at certain points. It was That's just why you ridiculous. can't look at the schedule, my friend. Oh, so ridiculous. Just so ridiculous. But either way, either way. So we both have them around four and eight. Let's move on. 
to our next team here. And that would be, my friend, a team with a brand new head football coach. That would be the Colorado State Rams. Now, Colorado State, Jay Norvell uh, leading this team now. He was Nevada's coach last year. Steve Adazio was the man on the way out, of course. Uh, this is going to be a completely different team than what we saw from the Rams last year. Uh, they do lose their quarterback, uh, big quarterback, uh, Rashad Ajayi. Uh, the tight end, Trey McBride, who ended up going, I think, in the second round of the NFL draft. They lose uh, a defensive end, Patchen, defensive tackle, Manny Jones, cornerback, Cameron, um, a, a whole lot. But they bring in a ton, just an absolute ton. Uh, they brought in 11 offensive transfers, seven defensive transfers, and two special teamers. Like, this might be a quicker turnaround than I was initially thinking. They went 3-9 and nine last year. Their postgame win expectancy said they should have been 6-6. Six and six. Like, it, they, they lost some games that they absolutely had no business losing last year. <laughs> but it was a completely different philosophy, um, which is why bringing in transfers was important in this situation. They are number 108 in returning production, and I don't know that that necessarily matters in this situation. Um, the offensive coordinator, Matt Mummy, everybody knows how Mummy, uh, he and Mike Leach kind of put together this whole air raid thing that everybody's doing now, and Jay Norvell swears by it. He did it at Nevada. He's going to continue to do it. Uh, under Adazio, Colorado State ran the ball 56.6% of the time, and 63% of their passes went to tight ends or running backs. Norvell's offense at Nevada, they threw the ball 63% of the time, and 66% of those went to wide receivers. This is a massive offensive uh, philosophical difference here. Um, the offensive line is almost entirely transfers. Brought in a bunch of guys you know, from Nevada that followed over Jay Norvell. Uh, they should be able to pick up a new philosophy pretty quick, I would hope, I would think. Uh, as far as the defense goes, like they've got some incredibly talented pieces on the defensive line and in the linebacker. The front seven, uh, pretty good. Devin Phillips, uh, Daquan John or Jackson, excuse me. Um, but keeping them healthy is vital because there is zero depth on this team as far as like talented dudes. Uh, the secondary is being rebuilt. They're going to have to find a way to limit explosive plays. They were number 107 in that metric last year. Um, Man, when I look at that, like 11 Nevada football players followed Norvell over to Colorado State. Uh, that's a that's a relatively new thing. So, yep. you know, I'm I'm curious what that's going to mean. Uh, I don't have any real idea what to expect from either side of the ball here. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the defense being able to provide the same stability that they did last year that actually kept Colorado State in games because they were number 27 in the country in defensive PPA per drive. Uh, the offense was just the biggest issue for them last year. Uh, I've got this team at 5-7, and seven, Chris. Like I, I think they're going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I, I just don't know that they are quite there yet. Like First-year rebuilds are always really, really tough, even when you're bringing in transfers. Uh, but five and seven would be an improvement over three and nine from last year. So, how do you feel five about seven, it? I, God, man, we're, we're cheating off one another. I've got five and seven as well. I think this team has a chance to be fun, exciting. Um, I don't know how good the offense will be, but they'll be more fun to watch than they have been. That's yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Like the offense, you know, if you liked throwing the ball to the tight end and running the ball directly in between the guard and the center. Um, you know, yeah, that was Steve Adazio's thing. 
And it, the problem is they weren't very good at it. They were number 114 yep. in rushing success rate last year. <laughs> like, it's just, just absurd uh, thinking about it. But they, like, that team could have been really good. Or, or at least more competitive than they were. And towards the end of the season, I mean, that team had just quit. Which is why Adazio got fired after his second season. Like, they were really competitive early. And then just, I mean, got whipped at the end of the season. Just it was just unbelievable. So, yeah, it was time for a change. And Jay Norvell uh, knew that there was not enough support at Nevada. And at Colorado State, he is going to get it. You don't normally see, you know, teams in the same conference, especially G5 conferences, uh, steal coaches from one another. But that's the level that they're at, right? Colorado State is just a level above Nevada uh, as far as, you know, alumni support, booster support, et cetera. Like, it, Colorado State wants to be one of the big boys. So, there you go. All right, last one on the docket here. And there may not be a whole lot to talk about with this bunch, but the New Mexico Lobos are next on the clock here. Danny Gonzalez, the coach, uh, they went 3-9 and nine last year. They... Uh, they are now five and fourteen, or he is five and fourteen in two seasons as head coach. Um, I, you know, they got big losses on defense. They lost quarterback Terry Wilson, but they do bring in uh, the quarterback Miles Kendrick. Uh, they were partially really bad on offense last year, which, by the way, number one hundred and thirty, dead last in offensive PPA per drive, number one thirty in rushing success rate, number one thirty in passing success rate. They were number 99 in offensive explosive play rate. So not dead last, but, you know, still not great. Uh, it was partially because they they started four different quarterbacks throughout the season due to injuries and, and whatnot, uh, including they, they had to start a graduate manager in the last game of the year. So, you know, eh, not, not great here. Uh, the offensive line only returns two guys with more than 90 snaps played, but... You and I have talked about this. Like, is that such a bad thing? If they were already that bad, is it is it awful to just bring in a whole new crop of them? I don't I, think so. I don't think I, so. I either. think this is what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, this is they they were they were so bad. Uh, Kansas transfer quarterback Miles Kendrick looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't know if that's an improvement. I we'll see. It, it's got to be an improvement over starting four different guys, but still on defense. Uh, everybody was very excited about bringing in Rocky Long as the defensive coordinator a couple of years ago when he uh, willingly left his post as the San Diego State head coach. Uh, but this just kind of goes to show you that there are some places, there are some schools, some programs that it, it you could hire the best coach in the world and there is still a stealing on what they can accomplish. Um, the secondary is loaded with returning snaps and whatnot that, their, their pass defense was their best spot. They were number 42 in defensive passing success rate allowed. Um, I mean, the defensive line, uh, they got to improve the rushing success rate from number 79. Like, it, that, that's going to be their big thing. The biggest thing, their offense has got to do something. Like, Jesus, that, that team is so bad. Um, the keys to the season here, hope Miles Kendrick immediately forms a connection with wide receiver uh, Jordan Porter. Uh, the guy from Arizona State, he averaged 17.9 yards per catch on only 14 catches at Arizona State. So you hope there's some kind of connection there because those guys are both talented. Uh, if the defense can be more aggressive and improve from the number 123 havoc rate, that could provide a little bit of stability that the offense can use to kind of catch up. 
And on top of that, um, if there is a, a regression this year, I don't know that Gonzalez gets to a year four. I mean, it might help that Rocky Long is there, but like you gotta you gotta show some improvement, right? I, like New Mexico may just keep him around for a long time, but even uh, uh, God, what was the guy before him? Bob Davies, like he at least had something going. Like I, I have no, I'm, I've got him at two and ten, um, but I, you know, they could go zero and twelve, and I, it wouldn't shock me. They might, they could go three and nine again. It wouldn't shock me. Anywhere between zero and three wins is about where I've got them. If they go, if they got four wins, I would be stunned, stunned. How do you feel about it? Well, we're finally a little different. Okay, I got them. I got them. I got them one and eleven. <laughs> <laughs> we're off by one one ball game there. <laughs> this this is a bad football team, man. This is a team that I think would benefit uh, from dropping down to FCS. But here's the problem. Look, I watched a lot of FCS football, you know, during that weird-ass COVID year where we got to see them in the spring. Man, almost every one of those damn teams are a lot better than this team. Not a little better, a lot better yeah. than this team. You're not wrong. Not a little, a lot. Uh, it's it's so bad because I would love for I mean, a team named the Lobos to be pretty good, right? Listen, this team and UMass and UConn could all put – they could put together an all-star team of the best players on their rosters, and they'd still suck. It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. Like, I, I I look at this team, and I'm like, you know, like, it, the safety, Jarek Reed, like, could be fun. Like, the, the right okay. guard, Isaac Gutierrez, could be fun. Like, I, I just don't see a lot of... They're just not to, good. Yeah, I'm going to need They're to see They're just not it. good. They're not good talent wise. I don't think they're good coaching wise. They're they're just not this team it only exists to take checks and to cash checks. That's what they do. That's mind blowing. They should fill their entire they should go independent and fill the all twelve games would just pay for wins. Just yeah. line them up. It's so frustrating. Come out of the season making $24 million. You'll make more than every Pac-12 team out there. I get down with that. That's they have a bigger bad. athletic department than the Pac-12 football. Yeah, yeah. I could uh, I could get with that. I could get with that. Uh, I am looking at – it looks like I've got Boise State winning the division. So I do too, but I, I, would, I, would, I would love, love to see our boy Mike Anderson. Have another, have Blake another Anderson, one, right? <laughs> Blake Anderson, I'm sorry, no, Blake Anderson, have another one. Yeah, I would, uh, I would like that as well. Um, but yeah. boys is the better football team. Boys is the better program. I gotta see, I gotta see uh, Utah State do it again. I'll tell you this though, I think it's a two horse race. Now you, now you, you asked me, you asked me what Air I thought of the division. Yeah, I think it's a two horse race because. Because I think it's it. I, I, I just don't believe in Air Force the way you do. And uh, so I think it's going to be one of those two. All right. I can get down with that. I can get down with that. Right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about on today's show? Nope. That's it, brother. That's it. All right. We will discuss the Mountain West West Conference on Thursday. Uh, between now and then, though, we'll go ahead and tell you guys. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. 
If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at winningcures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.